You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan Estates invites you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan, and my, my work wife has been sick, ill, whatever you want to call it. Honey, are you okay? I'm still not 100%, to be honest, and my voice is still incredibly weak, but thank you for your concern. It's been horrible. It's been one of the worst viruses I think I've ever had, and it floored me for nearly a week. And it specifically attacked your voice? It was, my throat was like bright red. Uh, it was horribly inflamed, horribly sore. I pretty much, once we were done with the podcast last week, I had to go straight home from Asper's, um, put together the podcast, issued that, have not been in the office since, didn't make wow. it down to Lex Live for the rest of the weekend. I was incapacitated. It was horrible. Man, well, coming from someone that's had voice problems before, it, it is quite horrible. So I'm glad you're back. We'll try to take it easy on you for the rest of this show. I'll yeah, handle I'm gonna, the intro this time. I'm going to do, uh, do late night DJ for the whole <laughs> show just to keep the uh, vocal cords at rest. And I'm going to keep doing Screaming American Guy. Coming up on today's <laughs> show, because of James's deep throat, we won't have much of a first-hand account from the conclusion of Lex Live. But we do have some results to speak of, including a couple of very happy Platinum Pass winners. Uh, lots of poker news in the news. <laughs> Not sure what we can say legally, and also that hasn't already been said that won't get us sued. But we're going to try anyway. We've also got a stellar guest on this week's show. She is arguably the funniest person in poker. She's a commentator, podcast host, dog lover, high time. We had Jamie Kerstetter on the show. And it's my way or the highway. Super fan versus Stapes this week. Natasha Kendall is challenging me to trivia on the movie Roadhouse. James, I had never seen Roadhouse before. See, I remember when it first came out on VHS in like 1990, I think. It must have been huge. You must have been so excited to get your hands on it. I mean, it's look, it's not one of my favorites. There were so many other good action movies around at that time. Die Hard, The Untouchables. But um, yeah, it was interesting to revisit for the purposes of putting together a quiz. What did you think of it, having seen it for the first time? Do you think I liked this movie or not? I'm going to say no. I did not expect to like this movie. I loved it. Oh my god, was it like some nostalgia trip for you? Was it? I don't, I don't think it was. Because, but it, it was nostalgic in like a couple of ways. I'll say this: it was obviously like more violent and more misogynistic than my tastes are now. But it wasn't as violent and as misogynistic as I expected it to be. <laughs> like, at least the hero had these very like hard and fast rules about like violence is a last resort being kind to people is the way that you actually get things done. Um, he wasn't particularly misogynistic in his approach to things. And so I kind of liked it and I, I found it to be not, it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be and genuinely kind of enjoyable. Would I ever watch it again? No. Would I tell other people they have to watch it? No, but somehow I missed this mostly because it was, R-rated during a time when I wasn't allowed to see R-rated movies, but I really, really liked it. I thought that the character was cool. I thought that for having a relatively dumb plot, yeah, that 
I did care a little bit. I was interested uh, throughout. So I, and this, I'm not, this is a really dumb reason, James, but I think I might've liked it because I watched it on my brand new Apple TV. Oh, that, uh, that my girlfriend got me for my birthday. Oh fuck. I forgot. Didn't I? I have an I excuse. I, I have an excuse. I was sick. Um, you, look, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, but also here's the jingle. <laughs> Happy birthday. I, and Joe, I, I appreciate this is retrospective, but have a good day. It's okay. Because first of all, I don't, I don't care that people forget my birthday. I'm bad at remembering birthdays. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. I took my birthday like down offline because I find that when people wish you a happy birthday, I find it like an obligation to thank them. So to like write back to everyone. So don't worry about it all. I don't care. I I had the best birthday, like the best birthday of my entire life. I went to a barcade. I went to my favorite barbecue place. I got an Apple TV. Uh, my friends got me a, a huge cake. My girlfriend treated me like I was the greatest person in the world for the entire day. I really did have the best day. Um, and I got to say, the Apple TV, it's cool. The new Apple TV is real cool. I like it a lot. By Apple TV, you mean like the little hockey puck that sits under the TV, right? Yes. but I, And I had one already, but I had one that's, I don't know, probably close to 10 years old. Now oh, wow. I have like 4K, um, the cool one, and this yeah. feature that I love that I discovered a little too late. Was that once I had pressed rent on Roadhouse for three ninety nine, it said also available on Netflix, and I was like, "Shit!" But at least I know now that it'll tell me that I don't have to spend four ninety nine, and I was happy after I saw the movie to have spent the four bucks. Okay, top tip for anyone with an Apple TV four K box: yeah. there is something you need to do in settings, which is to make sure that it matches the resolution and frame rate of the original media do not let your box upscale everything to 4K oh. and apply HDR to everything because it makes it look terrible. This did not look terrible, so I don't know if it did that, but every once in a while, uh, my screen would black out uh, for a few seconds, and then it would come back with the movie on pause, so maybe that has something to do with it. i got to look into that. Thank you, James. Anyway, I imagine, Joe, that an even better birthday present than your Apple TV box, was this podcast getting mentioning on primetime TV in the UK. What the actual fuck? That was pretty cool, especially because you were so mad at first. You thought that I was getting pranked. And I was like, the guy seemed kind of genuine. Like, it's a weird prank. So first of all, so someone alerted way, to you on Facebook, right? And they sent you Dave a still Alderton. image. Thank okay. you, Dave. Just Thank you, Dave. Dave. And apologies for doubting you, Dave. But here's what happened is the first thing that Joe sent me was the still image. And I was adamant that it had been Photoshopped, not because I didn't believe that they would ask a question about a random podcast, it was the fact they mentioned poker stars. And commercial TV channels are normally so careful not to unnecessarily mention brands. And then I literally went and downloaded the last five episodes of this bloody TV show, which is on every day of the week in the UK, and I couldn't find it. And the reason I couldn't find it is because it wasn't on The Chase it was on the Chase Celebrity Special, which is a separate um, category on the uh, on the um, on demand app. Because we're celebrities. Because it was a celebrity who had been <laughs> asked that question. Um, but yeah, it was legitimate. People were asked to try and get the name of the PokerStars podcast. That's very cool. How and why do you think that happened? 
I can only think that there is someone working on the production. Yeah. One of the researchers, one of the question setters, who is a poker fan, who may or may not be a listener to this podcast, who may or may not be a former super fan. So identify yourself. So I don't we know can if you're allowed you. to, but so if, if, if you can't, just know that we appreciate it. It was a big thrill for us. Thanks so much. Um, I guess one last thing I want to talk about, non-poker related, James, entertainment related. Last night I went and saw Joker. Okay, so now I've got ultimate FOMO because... Uh, not only did I miss out on the entire long weekend of Lex Live 2, but I also missed out on the private screening that Lex had arranged of this movie, so I still haven't seen it. You didn't miss out on anything. This is one of the worst movies I have ever seen. Really? It is awful. How does it this is... tie in with all of the glowing reviews, the five-star reviews, the Oscar talk, the gushing praise that I've seen from professional critics and from moviegoers alike? I don't know. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't know what movie other people are watching. It is so boring, so simple and stupid, and really the themes are very bad. And the thing that I really don't understand is if you fuck with comic book canon by putting a black person in a role or by putting a female in a role people lose their minds and the amount that they fucked with batman canon in this movie in a bad way i can't believe people are accepting it because it is really really bad i just you gotta go see it i'm dying to see what you think i don't get it at all i hated it well i don't quite get what dc slash Warner Brothers are doing. There have been so many iterations of the Joker and so many origin stories for the Joker in various different movies and strands that is this just completely standalone? This has nothing to do with anything, right? Yeah, it, I think it is because they've got the other Joker that they're still doing stuff with, the Jared Leto Joker. So right. I don't know what their plan is to continue with this one. All I'll say is this, and I, I don't think this is a spoiler, Joker comes off as, well, we'll say more sympathetic in this than he ever has before. And in my opinion, that ruins Joker. I don't think it's necessary to have a sympathetic Joker. I think that having a Joker that you can kind of understand for one reason or another makes the Joker not the Joker. Part of what makes the Joker terrifying and horrible is you don't understand him and you don't sympathize with him. So it's like if you had, I don't, I don't know, it's like if you had a Superman that was like kind of a dick, like it just, it is the exact antithesis. Like the one in Superman what, 3 where he's flicking peanuts in the bar, right? Exactly. And then the little boy goes, Super, Superman, you're just in a slump. Yeah, well... Joker is a huge slump. I don't I don't get it at all. I'm interested to, see, to hear if any people out there agree, disagree. I saw Daniel Negreanu this. He said this is one of his favorite movies. I saw. Of the last ever. decade, right? Right, which makes sense because Daniel's not a comic book guy. So there is nothing for this to bother him about this. I think that this movie might have been a fine movie had it just been a character study not called Joker about just a, a a guy who's who's down and out and has some struggles with the world. Um, Danielle Anderson also loved it as well. But I have seen plenty of people. It's been fairly polarizing. I think that there aren't a lot of people who say it's middle of the road. I think you either love it or you hate it. 
Okay, well, I'll see it in due course, and then we can have a proper in-depth discussion. Please. Right, let's run through the latest headlines from the industry. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Ears News. And as you mentioned at the start of the show, no in-depth recap of Lex Live 2. We'd love to tell you some stories, but couldn't make it down there. But two things we do need to highlight were the two players who, over the course of the last few days of this festival at Asper's Casino in London, won Platinum Passes, one of whom was a super fan on this very show just a few weeks ago. Patrick Winterbottom, who came on and answered questions about Patriot. He got a satellite ticket for winning that quiz on our show, and he got a platinum pass for winning the streamer showdown at Lex Live. So happy for Patrick. Platinum passes for your icy cold wintry asses. Uh, the other platinum pass was won by Tom Barton as part of the uh, Lex Live adventure that ran during the week. Uh, he's a streamer himself, Predator 410 online. So great that Patrick and Tom are going to be going to Barcelona next summer to play PSPC 2020. So, Joe, when we released last week's show, I joked that uh, we had axed the new segment from last week's episode because there was nothing noteworthy going on in the poker industry and there'd been no major scandals. And the obvious irony there is there were both. We didn't really have the opportunity to do it last week because we were live on location. It was all about Lex. But we do have to address the fact that in industry news, there was this huge announcement that Stars Group, and what was Paddy Power Betfair, now known as Flutter Entertainment, are merging to create this huge gaming giant. And understandably, people are going to ask the question, what does this mean? And the honest answer is, we don't know yet, because number one, this is a long way off. It's got to go through regulatory approval. It's got to go through government approvals. And if it does go ahead, if it gets uh, ticks in every box, we're talking about towards the end of next year. So quite honestly, it's far too early to say. It's far too soon to speculate what this could mean. However, the aim, the ambition of this tie-up is to create the biggest gaming company in the world, which could and should be really exciting. So I'd like to think positively about this, but I guess we have to see how it unfolds over the coming months. But in terms of what happens to PokerStars, what happens to the EPT, what happens to this podcast, far too early to speculate. It's too early to speculate, but not too early to start kissing ass. And boy, do I love Flutter slash Betfair and Patty Power. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always been a fan. Um, love those guys. The irony is, on the morning that this news broke, you would have expected this to be the thing that everyone was talking about, certainly as far as the poker media are concerned. But no, uh, everyone's attention had been grabbed by the potential scandal involving a 1-3 player in California called Mike Postal and the allegations of cheating that have been made. Um, we need to talk in general terms about this, Joe, partly because it's now an active investigation, partly because there are now lawsuits attached, and partly because we don't have all the facts. And I think there's a lot of unhelpful finger-pointing going on on social media right now. Um, I would say that all you really need to do is seek out the excellent summary of this story that Scott Van Pelt provided for SportsCenter on ESPN a 
very solid piece of journalism from someone who is not a poker player and professes to know very little about the game, but has clearly done his research, provides a summary of the story so far, lays out all the facts with the insinuation that there is something nefarious, that something is not quite right here. And he salutes the people who have led to a thorough investigation now being conducted. The fact that we had Veronica Brill, who raised those concerns and elevated those concerns to people like Joey Ingram, who, along with Doug Polk, has combed through hours and hours of footage to provide evidence that is now being used as part of an investigation. Now, I am confident that we potentially might have thought this isn't right and may have asked some questions, Joe. And I'm pretty sure that members of our production team would have done the same. I am equally confident that our processes, our personnel, our technical systems would prevent this kind of thing happening. But this is not good for poker on any level because on a mainstream level, it once again puts poker and cheating in the same bracket. The fact that Scott Van Pelt's piece is going out on SportsCenter is not a good thing. And it's not a good thing for us as people producing live streams and TV shows because I think people are going to ask questions about this type of technology, even though, as I've just said, I do believe that in most cases, the checks, the balances, the security is there and this sort of thing would not happen. Yeah, it's just kind of lame that uh, everyone was like, Oh, oh my God, we got mentioned on Sports Center. And yeah. And it was for something awful. Like there was almost a celebration. And of course, I think the hard work of the people who are putting in the work, right? Poker's all about putting in the work these days. There are people putting in the work. I was glad to see them recognized. I just wish they had been recognized for something that wasn't going to paint poker in such a negative light sure and it will be it has been interesting over the last seven days to see the story unfold and it's going to be interesting to watch from the sidelines as it unfolds even further um but as you highlighted at the top of the show joe the main focus of this week's podcast is our guest someone who we've been trying to get for an awful long time and somehow stars have aligned and we've managed to get her to come on this week's episode so please welcome to poker in the ears jamie kerstetter welcome jamie hey how's it going jamie thank you so much i know that this is a big ask for you to get up at <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning we'll get up before nine o'clock in the morning to be on the air by 9 a.m can you please you know i a lot of a lot of the folks we interview now used to be um late sleepers used to live more of that poker lifestyle now they're like yeah 9 a.m is not a big deal i get up not you though you are still <laughs> living that poker life where you get up around what time walk me through a typical day oh, no, for jamie not that bad. I, I, around like 10 or 10 30 it's not as terrible as i used to be where i would play till whatever time and then just be a vampire and never see the sun <laughs> <laughs> so when you get up at 10 or 10 30 is that via alarm or are you just live in the life still where you're no just way. like this is the first time i've set my alarm in like a month oh wow <laughs> i now feel horrifically guilty by the way jamie we've never actually met i was going to ask when are you going to start coming to ept so that a we can meet and b we can start using you as a commentator what the <laughs> fuck james i'm right here god damn it it's not 
It's bad enough Jamie's replaced me everywhere else, not in Europe. I didn't say it would be at your expense. It could be a complimentary addition, which could take most of your working hours away from you, but <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd still find a role for you. Yeah, you know, I didn't have a ton of interest in, in playing in Europe since I can't even win in the U.S. and you guys are better at poker. Um, however, if I could replace Stapes, then for sure I'll make the trip. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the reason why it was interesting to ask about your kind of waking hours and working hours is you're more than a poker player now. You've got a podcast, you do commentary, you are a fully-fledged member of the poker media in addition to being a pro. Yeah, you could, if you could just repeat that for my mom, that would be really nice. <laughs> she has a real job. <laughs> Thank you. Because for about, I don't know, eight or nine years, I've been, in quotes, between jobs whenever I talk to family. <laughs> so, okay, that's something interesting. We'll get back to the real jobs that James just mentioned in a second. Let's talk about that now. Jamie, you're a funny person. You know what points to hit, like the ire slash disappointment of your parents is like a funny bit to talk about. Is that a real thing for you? For yeah, for my mom, yeah, it was really funny. Uh, there have been certain things in, in poker that have helped a lot. Like I briefly had a, a sponsorship when, when um, online came to New Jersey. That was a thing. She's like, oh, a company is going to like pay you. Okay, maybe you're legit. Uh, I'll get deep in a tournament and, and like final table bubble. And she's like... You know, if you would have won that one, that would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think having been a lawyer, uh, I think that my mom was like, all right, you can't screw up your life too much. You're going to be fine. And then when I quit, she's like, oh, no, here we go. So I think that having like little jobs in poker helps, especially when going home and talking to people who have jobs and they just don't want to hear about, oh, yeah, I just roll out of bed whenever I want. And uh, I go gamble in a casino. That's what they hear. So, yeah, it's nice to have these little other things that I do as side projects. So, obviously, uh, quitting lawyering was probably a horrifying moment for your mom. And I know you've probably been over this before, but I don't even know it as a friend of yours. What led up to that decision? What was it like for you? Was it horrifying and terrifying for you? Talk to us a little bit about that. Okay. Um, I just knew, like... I would go into work every single day knowing that I didn't want to do it for a long time. Um, I was a trust and estates lawyer, which is just the most boring. It's like a pleasant kind of law because you don't have to go to court. You're not contentious with a bunch of people. Um, you kind of don't have like the crazy deadlines that litigators have, but you also take away the whole thing where you're like, I don't know, are fighting for something and you're kind of just going and doing people's paperwork. Um, and I just was kind of bored. I was like, I can do this. It's not a terrible job. But every day I was just like, you know, I probably should quit soon. Um, and I thought about it every day for six months, literally every day on the way to work. It was like a fantasy. I'm like, I think I'm going to go in today. And she's like, I don't really want to do this anymore. Um, and I finally got the guts to do that. Just tell them, yeah, I kind of want to wrap up all these clients I have and be done with this. Uh, and then a week later, Black Friday happened. <laughs> oh, shit. It was awesome. It was hilarious. Um I was still like wrapping up work for clients, knowing that uh, half my bankroll was tied up on full tilt with no idea if I was going to get it back. Uh, not really knowing if I could win at live poker. I, I'd played some cash and had some good results, but like nothing close to online tournaments. Um, and yeah, that was not the high point of my life, but it was actually like, Stapes, I know you're kind of sick like this. Like I'm just every day waking up having quit, not having online poker anymore and just kind of laughing. I'm like, this is ironic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when that was happening, 
see, I tell you what I would have done, and I wonder if you did the same thing. Did you try to keep Black Friday a secret from the people who might have been advising you not to quit lawyering? Because that's exactly what I would have done. That's so Stapleton. I would, except there was no one in my life that was like, you should keep being a lawyer. Like my oh, that's good. Family, my family probably was just like, yeah, you can't screw up your life too much if you're a lawyer. But even my mom, when I, I had worked at a really big firm first, um, even my mom was kind of on my side with that. She's like, hey, you don't really get to ever chill out. Like I was biting my nails and I was wearing a mouth guard to bed because I would grind my teeth. I was just a very like stressed out person having just like doing really important work for people and knowing that I'm like a faker. I'm like, I'm brand new at this. I shouldn't be handling like multi-million dollar estates. And just that was in the back of my head all the time. So she actually worried about me when I was a lawyer too. So I think maybe she's just going to worry about me no matter what. And she doesn't worry about you being on ESPN as much. (laughs) I guess not. But even that was really funny when it was done. She's like, oh, that was cool. Like, okay, so what's after that? And I was like, there's nothing after that. I got nothing left. I was like, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, that was very cool to have done it. And I don't really know. I was like, there's not a thing now. Now I'm not like, and now I'm a CNN news anchor. Right. (laughs) Like, no, I'm going to just go be mediocre at poker again. Thanks. So how did you make the rise from uh, online poker player to then forced to be live poker player to then poker personality? Was it just from being funny on Twitter? Uh, I don't really know. Like, I, it's really weird. I think poker is just looking for people who try at all. <laughs> so I, I always kind said of... that I no offense to James, but I always mm-hmm. said that when I was sort of, you know, being noticed in the poker world, I was like, there is just no one else at the time. Yeah. Like, it's not like I was that good. Just no one else was really doing it. That's the key. You said yeah. try a lot of things. You didn't say you had to succeed. Right. Yeah. You just try until someone's like, Hey, I would pay you for that. And I'm like, awesome. (laughs) Um, I was actually thinking about this today. I'm like, Staves, you guys could have like 10 different guests that you'd like to have on the show, but I'm the only one who's going to set my alarm and get up. (laughs) Right. Well, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, you obviously, um, I think you're the funniest person in poker Um, and always uh, it took me a while to follow you on Twitter because I had this thing where I only followed people on Twitter who I thought were close friends and uh, we became close friends after the fact. But I was like, this girl's too funny. She's she's too hilarious. I got to give credit where credit's due. And I did start following you. What do you think? I get asked all the time about um is it hard to be funny now uh in this oversensitive culture is it hard to be funny what are your thoughts on that i don't i i feel like the people who are saying that are usually just jerks (laughs) that they're like oh man i can't even like make fun of people for being a different race this sucks (laughs) right that's usually what it is i'm like i don't think it's that hard to be funny like if mitch hedberg hadn't died he would still be just as hilarious um even in this climate where that people say oh you have to be pc or whatever my favorite comedians have usually been the ones who were just like so creative that they didn't have to do stupid shit to uh, get people to laugh. Um, and then there are exceptions. Like, yeah, Louis C.K. was one of, one of my favorite comedians um, for a really long time. And, yep, he's going to have a hard time now. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that when you have people um, 
for me anyway, comedians who I trust to be good people, like I just know you can tell that their values are good and that they're like hearts in the right place when they're making these jokes, they can still joke about anything. Like there are certain comedians where I'm like, pretty they can close, make yeah. jokes that are pretty like off color and like should upset people, but the people aren't upset because they know that like it's a joke. My problem is like the the people were saying, oh, I can't joke about anything anymore. I'm just like, you guys were never funny. You were just kind of mean the whole time. So yeah, that's going to be a problem for you. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think most of the people who are complaining are the people that uh, could never make a good joke in the first place. I do think that there's a little bit of a price that we're paying uh, for people not granting you as much goodwill before as they do now. I do think that we are somewhat... I don't want to say censored, but we are somewhat mm-hmm. limited in sort of the scope of things we're allowed to say. But that's a that's an acceptable price to pay for me. Yeah, I agree. And I think comedy will get better if people can't take the cheap shots anymore. Um, my problem with it is the guys who complain are usually just like, you're just not laughing because you're too PC. And I'm like, no, your joke sucks, dude. <laughs> like, you can't blame it on people being too PC. And that's why you're not on SNL. And that's why you're not like getting your own comedy specials on HBO and things like that. I'm like, there's a chance you're just not very funny. <laughs> just to focus on the uh, poker player rather than poker personality side of things, Jamie, I'm interested in going back to when Black Friday happened. And you said you weren't sure if you could make it as a live pro, how much of a challenge was it? What was the route that you took? Um, I, I took the denial route where I was just thinking, you know, oh, we're the land of the free. The government won't do this to us, which is hilarious in <laughs> hindsight. Um, <laughs> I took a really long time to transition. So I had played some live cash. It was probably about like 20% of my um, poker playing. The rest was just MTTs online. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm actually in better shape to... Um, try this live thing than a lot of my friends who are 100% online. Uh, And I I played live cash at Parks Casino for, uh, I want to say around six months. I was just playing. They had a 10-10 game that was good. Um, I just didn't like it as much. I I could still make some money, um, but just the the act of like getting dressed, going to a casino, uh, interacting with, you know, poker players. (laughs) I was like, I miss online. I miss being around my friends and just like grinding a Sunday. Um, so about a year after Black Friday, uh, I packed up and moved to Rosarito, Mexico. Um, there were about 100 poker players there at the time. Uh, I only knew a few of them, but that was just enough to get myself settled there. And uh, yeah, I just abandoned live poker and started playing online again. And it was awesome. It was a really, really good experience to just like live on the beach uh, in a place that was pretty cheap to live and just be around poker players who were a lot better than me. And I could bounce hand histories off them and I don't know. So like it, it was kind of strange because when I was a lawyer, I couldn't envision doing anything else. I never thought I'd live in a different country uh, and I never thought I'd be like so on my own um, with no real path. And then Black Friday happened right after I quit. And I was like, OK, so now I live in Mexico. <laughs> like so many weird things happened to, to get me to that point. And it was something that like really sucked at the time to realize like my, you know, the sky is falling. Um but also, it was just a really cool thing to just be like, all right, well, I spent some time living in Rosarito on the beach, uh, playing poker and doing nothing else. And how long did that last? Um, that was about a year and a half. Uh, and then all the sites came back to New Jersey. I, this is the most luck, luck box experience I think I've had in poker. Um, I got a call. I, I was deep in the um, 
WCOOP 5K. I was just like running super good. And uh, I didn't even cash for that much. It might have been like 30K or something like that. And I get a message from, um, it was Party New Jersey. The time was coming in. Uh, They got there first. And they were like, hey, do you want to come back and like represent us in New Jersey? And I was just like, how do you even know who I am? I'm like, yes. They might just scan the the stars lobby and we're like, girls, need a girl. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) sponsorship. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I got to do that for, it was about a year or two. Um, Just came back to, I think, I don't know what I would have done. I really was having a good time in Mexico um, besides missing my family and friends. There's a chance I would have just stayed there. I was currently working for Poker Stars, living in New Jersey and playing on Poker Stars New Jersey, and I couldn't even get Rake back. Joe, not only are you not a girl, you have a beard, so you couldn't even pass as a girl. (laughs) So, yeah, so that is pretty lucky. How was it? Did you have wild times in Rosarito, living relatively cheaply, making money as an online poker player and being surrounded by people with no other responsibilities? You would think that, but I was so in love with poker at the time that I just like grinded. I was on two plus two a lot and I had, and my friends were such nerds. Like we would just like play other games, other card games, hang out. Um, I was very funny about a year into it. um, I was just talking about to a bunch of the, the people who live there. I was like, man, you know, the best part is that we can just like walk down to the beach and like go for a jog and whatever. And they're like, you can get but down there. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much these guys were grinding. Like there are people who are just like living in the most beautiful place. And they're like, ah, whatever. I mean, there's, there's the $11 rebuy. Let's go do that. I've, I've <laughs> lived in Southern California for the majority of the last 17 years. And I have been in the water here fewer than 10 times. <laughs> Oh man, I believe it. I don't know what it is though. Like I, I've always been like more outdoorsy. I kind of feel like that's part of the reason why I've never had that like year of just absolutely crushing poker. I've been kind of content in poker to just make a little bit of money. Um, I really like doing other stuff. And I'm like, if I were one of the robots who just didn't like other stuff, they're like, oh, the sunlight hurts my skin. (laughs) Um, I would probably be doing a lot better in poker. So where's home for you now? Uh, I moved to Las Vegas about a year and a half ago. And how's that working out? It's good. It's really nice to just completely omit winter from my life. Um, it feels like cheating, though. Like I, I was like, I didn't go through this like long, depressive period that I've been going through every year for my whole life. I was just like, wow, I just continued going to the gym in January and like enjoying my life. Um, it's weird. It's like getting sunlight every day um, is just a major factor. I didn't realize like how much i hated winter till i just didn't have to deal with it this last year so what's the balance of playing versus working for you um it's really weird to call poker working like any kind of stuff that we do it's like yeah sometimes it's working like you guys know if you're like really tired and you have the seventh day in a row of commentary or something like that it feels like working i'm like okay today i would probably pay a hundred dollars not to have to go in um but that's like when I'm just tired of it, when it's so many days in a row. Otherwise, I'm pretty excited to do the stuff I'm doing. Um, I get to like set my own schedule for the podcast and things like that. So that feels good to just go, you know, I, I don't know. I'm talking about stuff I'm interested in with people I like um, without having to usually like set an alarm or anything. So that doesn't feel like working. But I probably play poker for 50% of my income and then... The other half is just doing a bunch of odd jobs like writing and uh, podcasting and commentating. Seems like a fun mix. 
yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. I'm some of the stuff that is my favorite though. Like I'm sure Stapes can relate to this though. Like I have one random job. Um, I work. I write for Doug Polk. I do some of his like uh, we we write some comedy stuff for his YouTube channel and. That was the most random job I have, and by far the coolest job I have. Where they're like, "Here, write some jokes. We'll pay." You I'm assuming that 99% of the funny things that Doug said are written by says are written <laughs> no. by you. That's it. Whatever. Uh, whatever. I bring this up because for a while I just wanted it to be secret. I'm like, "Oh no, he makes fun of poker players. I, I want it to be secret that I'm helping." Then I'm just like, "He's really not overly mean. It's pretty funny." So I'm fine to say it now. No, Doug's really funny. Doug like comes up with a lot of funny stuff and then he'll be like make this better that's kind of that's kind of my job most of the time is just that's the dream it's the dream because the person's being authentic i don't have to like make up a personality like it would be really weird if you were like a ghostwriter for a celebrity and you like create the celebrity on instagram and on twitter that would be like a nightmare uh but it's not like that he'll just be like okay make this like he he had just does too much work. Like he is making multiple YouTube videos a week, and I think that people who think he doesn't have any help, they would think he was like a superhuman person. Um, but yeah, that is the dream. Like that's that would be my dream if like I could write for like something real or it's like uh, some Hollywood show. I don't know what whatever everyone in LA is trying to do. Uh, I wouldn't want to like write my own show from the ground up. I would love to just go in and be like, hey, that joke kind of sucks. Let's make this dialogue funnier. Like, that would be an amazing role. So which shows do you admire and think, man, I would love to write for that show, even if they're not on the air anymore? Um, I really, Modern Family was one of them where I'm like, oh, man, I just see, like, I thought each character was developed so well. And each one had their own little, like, funny, sarcastic. Uh, I'm sorry, I haven't had coffee, so, like, words just are not coming to my brain. Um, <laughs> but each character. Nice work, like, writer girl. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Each character had such a cool personality that I felt like I could write funny jokes for each one. And that's really cool because most shows are like, okay, this one's the funny one. And this is the one that gets the funny lines for the punch lines. And it's not usually like 12 separate characters that all have some, uh, you know, cool storyline. So when I got to meet, I met Danny Zucker, Zucker, I, I don't know, I'm probably murdering his name when we did that Poker Night Live show. And I was like, actually very excited to meet him. We had a bunch of like, well-known celebrities that you'd recognize their faces and then they're like and the writer for modern family i'm like holy shit (laughs) yeah that was a big thrill for me too like i've had danny over to my house to play before i always like he's really cool too because he doesn't mind if you pick his brain and ask him questions he's a guy that i'm always like sort of pumping him for information but also genuinely enjoy hearing about uh, his times on set i was gonna say he actually um delivered a very cutting insult to me without even realizing it uh it was very terrible <laughs> very demeaning um i was doing something do you remember for that show i was kind of like doing a bunch of random stuff they're like hey can you do our social media i'm like sure i show up they're like can you hold this camera real quick do you want to play on the show can you host this show <laughs> Wow! I was like, uh, uh, you know, like with Poker Night, they were like, "Can you host yeah. this other uh, show while you, while this one's going on?" I was like, "Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. Anything else you guys need?" But actually, Danny's at the table, and he's like, "Hey, hey, can you get that intern back over here? I need to ask her something." I'm like, uh, oh, oh wow! I was like, I was like, excuse me, I'm I'm the camera holder. I'm not an intern. <laughs> <laughs> the jack of all trades, the master of none. Exactly. <laughs> so I know we got to cut you loose, Jamie, because uh, we've run out of time. You actually are. 
you were one of the few people that dodged playing one of my stupid games this week. It was going to be Bob Blah Blah's dog Loblog uh, about various <laughs> dog related laws uh, around the country. <laughs> Uh, we've run out of time, but before we do let you go, I just have one last question to ask you because I admire you so much as a joke writer and the funny things you've done. Is there any one joke or thing that you've done, a two plus two post, a tweet that it's like you're most proud of? Dude, this is so hard. You gotta you gotta cue me up for this if you're my friend. <laughs> I probably should have you right. That's that's hundred yeah, percent true. Nothing. I'll but say also, this while, like while to... Jamie's thinking of it. Mm-hmm. Jamie did a joke at open mic night at running up Reno, which by the way is happening this Sunday. If you're in Reno, uh, that is one of the, my favorite jokes I've ever heard. And if I, and I would consider buying it from her, um, if I had any, uh, not to say she would sell it. If I had any other jokes, uh, that it went with Jamie, are you comfortable saying the joke or do you want to just keep it on the stage? Yeah, I'll say it. But then our, how can you buy it if it's just already in everyone's ears? Yeah, no, I probably can't buy it. So if you'd rather I buy it from you, don't no, say it if you're willing to sell it. I mean, it's such a good joke. I wouldn't sell it. For, okay, first of all, I want to object to all the nice stuff you said to me on this whole entire podcast because you keep calling <laughs> me funny. I feel like once you feel like you're funny and you just accept that, you're not going to be funny anymore. Is that That's how it works, right? Yeah, absolutely. You got to stay yeah. humble and keep yourself uh, grounded and, and fighting for it. Yeah, so I reject all those compliments, but also... Um, yeah, every room is an escape room if you're in it with Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> He's still, you know what's sick though? I still will listen to Louis C.K. I can't help it. Uh, it's one of those people like celebrate the art from the artist, blah, 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 blah. In comedy, it's harder because it's like it's your whole personality that's on stage. But I still, I can't help it, man. He's brilliant. We all do it for someone. We all watch Roman Polanski movies and Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all done it. So whatever. Yeah. Jamie, thank you very much for giving up your time oh, this thanks. morning and uh, apologies for forcing you to use the alarm clock. That's okay. And anytime you want to kick Stapes out, I'll see you at an EPT. Fantastic. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. It is super fan time on Poker in the Ears. Please welcome to the show, Natasha Kendall. Greetings, Natasha. Hello, good afternoon, James. Good afternoon, Joe. Hi, Natasha, or Natasha, should I say. (laughs) Yeah, um, Americans always pronounce my name with that long A in the middle, Natasha. I quite like it, though, so you go ahead. That's all we know. It's, uh, It's very Russian. Now, I'm going to infer from your accent that you are originally from the United Kingdom, but you are currently living in mainland Europe. That's correct. I'm a British national, now living in Austria, just outside of Vienna. And what are you doing there? Well, um, mostly working, but my husband is also Austrian, so uh, ah. I, have a, I have a valid reason for being here, uh, not just uh, <laughs> trying to avoid the situation in the UK I, at the moment. <laughs> I knew you had to have a husband the way you were so sympathetic to James having a mild cold. I was like, <laughs> oh, this person is definitely used to coddling someone. <laughs> well, you know, men feel the flu differently, don't they? They uh, they struggle with it. So, yeah, of course, always having some sympathy for James. Now, Joe and I got to visit Vienna in 2014 when the EPT was in town. It is one of my favourite cities in Europe. It is a beautiful place, and I imagine it's a really nice place to live. Yeah, it's lovely. I love Austria. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a great country. Vienna's 
really beautiful um lots to do lots of cultural stuff and um yeah I mean uh, I've only been here for a fairly short while so about nine months or so but yeah liking it very much so far it's a bit also, different culturally but you know yeah I'm getting it's into also it. a country and city that's very friendly to online poker Ah, I didn't know that. I haven't been playing that much online poker for what? a while. But <laughs> yeah, sorry about it. Um, but yeah, I definitely will be doing uh, more of that going forward. Well, as you know, our ambition is to give you a 55 euro EPT Prague satellite ticket. So hopefully that will get you playing online on Stars. Natasha, what do you do then? Apart from being married to an Austrian, what do you do for a living in Austria? Um, I work for a global, major global food corporation. And uh, I work in data insights and analysis so i'm like crunching the numbers looking at the market looking at the categories and um yeah supporting the business that way crunching the numbers is that a clue do you work for doritos frosted flakes <laughs> no i wish that would be cool but no um no, no uh, i'm in i'm in beverages mm, i do like beverages let's talk later <laughs> okay so you have chosen as your specialist subject the 1989 movie roadhouse a little bit random is this because you love the movie or is it because you have a major fangirl appreciation of patrick swayze yeah it's it's a bit both really <laughs> um patrick swayze is obviously awesome but um i like sam elliott too he's he's great yes. in the movie it's just got a really good cast it's like a really classic over the top 80s movie there are just you know so many great set pieces like the monster truck and the bar fights are great and Jeff Healy's band are great. And I mean, the hair, the mullets, there's just so many mullets in this, in this movie. So, I've, yeah, it's I've forgotten how violent it is. Yeah. Yeah. Really? The, the, how could you forget that? It's pretty much what the movie is about. Violence solves everything. I think all those kind of late eighties movies with Patrick Swayze kind of a blurred into one. And so like dirty dancing ghost roadhouse. This isn't the one with the pottery. This isn't the one where he's dead on the subway <laughs> and bumps into Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, there's pottery. He just uses it to stab a guy's eye out. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, this is the one where he rips somebody's throat out with his bare hands. So yeah, yes. pretty, pretty violent. Yeah, pretty, pretty violent. Uh, I have 10 multiple choice questions. Some have bonus questions attached as well. Um, you can go anywhere on the board, Natasha. You get to go first, one through 10. Please give me a number. Thank you. And just before uh, we start, I just want Joe to know that I can't see the questions that James has in front of him. There's nothing under my hat. In fact, I'm not even wearing one. And I will definitely not be consulting with my crotch throughout this. Uh, <laughs> it's a fair competition, wow. James. Everybody James is getting in on the action with their jokes. <laughs> I, I'm like the last, I seriously haven't made a single one. I'm the last person. Anyway, well done. Okay. So no, thank you very much. I've obviously you're playing for a uh, you're, you're playing for a pair of bone induction headphones. <laughs> oh, good. That will come in handy when uh, when yeah I'm start start working uh, playing on live streams in the future. <laughs> okay, so I know everybody always chooses uh, number seven, but I'm going to try and tilt Joe off the bat and uh, take his lucky number nine. Lucky number Ooh. nine for two points. What type of stuffed animal falls on Tinker? Uh, it's a polar bear. It is a polar bear for two points. Joseph, you can have any number other than your lucky number nine. Sasha, your strategy worked. I'm already on stone tilt because <laughs> I knew that. No choice is needed. Um, fine. I will say it is always coming seven. What does the note stuck to Wade's chest say? It was uh -oh. tails. Correct, for two <laughs> points. And there is a bonus question attached. That's 
One of the options that I would have given you was he disagreed with something that et him. That line was written on a bloody note in another 1989 movie. Which movie? Places to Kill. Correct, for one point. You have a slight lead, but don't worry, Natasha, because there are many other bonus questions to come. You'll have a chance to even the score. Uh, one through ten, bar seven and nine. I'll go for three. Number three. What is Dalton's actual job title? He's a cooler. Cooler, correct, for two points. Joe, what number would you like next? Who do you think would have won between the coolers, William H. Macy or Patrick Swayze? Depends. <laughs> if they were playing at the craps table, Macy, if it's a fist fight, one punch and it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with question number one, please. Number one, in what town is the Double Deuce located? I believe it's the town of Jasper. It is for two points. It makes so much difference when you've seen the movie recently. I know. Uh, Natasha, two, four, five, six, eight, or ten? Uh, eight, please. Eight. What is the name of the musician played by Jeff Healy? It's Cody. It is Cody for two points. Joe, you're one point behind. Would you like two, four, five, six, or ten? I would not have known that one. I'm going to go with question four. Question number four. In which U.S. state did Dalton kill a man? Uh, I'll take the choices, please. Nevada, New Mexico, Memphis, or Texas? Memphis is not a state, but I think that's the right answer. Memphis is the right answer, and you are correct. It's not a state. Well done. You also <laughs> spotted the deliberate mistake in this quiz, but you don't get a bonus question. Deliberate mistake? Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. I wouldn't have known that it's not a state. Nice so. try. <laughs> You should probably give Joe a point for that, but, you know, obviously I want to win, so... The scores are even. Let's keep it dramatic, Natasha. Uh, what have we got? Five, six, two or ten? Uh, five, then, please. Number please. five. Dalton drives a Buick. What type of car does Elizabeth drive? That's a Jeep, I think. It is a Jeep, and there is a bonus question attached. Ooh. What colour is Elizabeth's Jeep? Red. It is red. Three points scored there. I, by the way, I am embarrassed how attracted I was to Elizabeth in this movie. Like, all of these 80s women. I don't know what it is if that's when I first started, like, discovering women or what, but I was, like, drooling this entire movie. It's the hair. They've all got great hair in this movie. I think so. <laughs> Here's a question, then. Whatever happened to Kelly Lynch? It, 1990 happened. <laughs> <laughs> Sad but true. Um, where are we at, Joe? You can have two, six, or ten. Um, six and ten are both digits that are in my birthday, so I'm going to go with six because that comes first in the UK. Who does Dalton rent a room from? God, the guy's name is Marion or Marriott. I, I, I got to take the choices. Red Webster, Emmett, Dr. Clay, or Brad Wesley? Emmett. It is Emmett for one point. There is a bonus question attached. How much is the rent? $100. Correct. You are one point behind going into the final round. Oh, boy. Question <laughs> two or ten, Natasha. And important decision here because one of the questions has a bonus. The other does not. Maybe I should flip a coin. Uh, I'll go with two, please. Question two. 
What is Dalton's remuneration package for taking the job at the Double Deuce? Uh, um, oh, I think I need the choices, please, James. Okay, is it $500 per night, $500 per night plus $5,000 up front, $500 per night plus $5,000 up front plus medical expenses, or $500 per night plus $5,000 up front plus medical expenses plus car allowance? <laughs> Well, he's already got a car, so it's going to be C. It is C. He gets $500 plus the 5 k plus medical expenses for one point. You have a one-point lead. Joe, there are three points available on question 10. Oh, no. oh boy. <laughs> what is the last thing we see Dalton and Elizabeth doing? <sighs> I think I got this. They, they're skinny dipping. They are for two points. So if you can get the bonus, you win. Kelly Lynch replaced which actress as Elizabeth? I have no idea, but I'll just take a guess. Take a guess. Kelly McGillis. Incorrect. Do you know the answer <laughs> to this, Natasha? If you don't, we go to the tie break. I think I do. I think it's, is it Annette Benning? It is Annette Benning. Congratulations. Whoa! You get it on the bonus ball. And you have won this game yeah. of Superfan versus Stapes by a narrow margin of one point. Congratulations, you know your roadhouse. And that means you are going to get the 55 euro EPT Prague satellite ticket. Plus, we will ship you some PokerStars merch in the post as well. Oh, hooray. That's great. Thank you so much. I've been uh, really wanting to come on for ages and it's been brilliant. So thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Natasha, nice work. And uh, thanks for choosing this movie because I actually really, really loved it. Oh, I'm so glad because I wanted to ask you guys and I always hear you sort of have the, the chat at the beginning about whether or like or not you like the movie and I was thinking, oh, please like it. I didn't want to sort of subject you to watching something. I liked hated. it so much that I wanted to talk about it earlier in the show. That's the only reason <laughs> to do it here. <laughs> oh, well, then I can't wait to listen to this podcast and hear what you have to say. Thank you very much, Natasha. We'll speak to you soon. All right, my babies, we are almost out of time for this week's show. Next week, I'll be at Run It Up Reno again. Going to try to score a cool guest in there. Obviously, I think the Survivor guys are going to be there, so maybe we can get Boston Rob, Tyson Apostle. Andy Milanakis is supposed to be there. I don't do – you, did he ever make it to the UK? It's not a name I'm familiar with, but that doesn't mean he didn't make it to the UK. Right. He had a big uh, comedy show on MTV in the States, like in the late 90s. And uh, hopefully some folks will care about who he is. Before I go to Reno, I do have my second edition of my monthly comedy show in Vegas. And I'm going to ask the audience a favor. Um, so we sold out the first one, James. Yeah. The second one, as of yesterday, early yesterday, about four days out or three days out of this show, we had sold zero tickets. So... If you hear this podcast on Thursday, <laughs> if you live in Las Vegas, if you know someone who lives in Las Vegas that might have a good time, I was afraid, James, I was afraid that everybody was going to come out for the first one and that I was going to have blown my load and that appears to have happened. Now, I do know for a fact that since the zero yesterday and me panicking about it, we have sold about 20. Okay. But 
I would love to get a few more butts and chairs for that show. So if you guys want to do me a solid and see if you can come out Friday night, I would really appreciate it. Plugging done. Back to next week's show. I love the fact that as you went along, the the number of people was getting smaller. If you listen to this podcast, if you live in Las Vegas, if you're free on Friday night, it's like kind of like, well, that might be one ticket you can sell extra. That's okay. One is worth it. Seriously. Um, and I, you know, I think honesty makes for a good podcast. So I'm going to be perfectly honest. That's where we're at with the comedy show right now. So anyway, also next week, the super fan subject is the departed. It is They're indeed. Departed by Matten. I don't like Marvel movies. Scorsese. Why did he have um, to say that? I have look. I have a lot of time for Martin Scorsese as a filmmaker, and I completely understand if people do not like the style of Marvel movies, and if it's not for them. But don't dismiss it as not cinema, not filmmaking. It's like you're not the overlord of cinema, Marty. You don't get to decide what is a film and what isn't. It's a bit like when Spielberg went on that rant about films produced by Netflix. You just sound so po-faced and so out of touch with audiences. I get it. You don't like them. But don't for one second say they're not cinema. You end up sounding like a crotchety old loser. And I do think he has some points in what he went on to say beyond that. Uh, but to say that they're not cinema is completely incorrect, yeah. And my view is that, and I always thought this of Martin Scorsese, he's someone who appreciates the broad church that is the cinematic medium and the fact that it is possible to enjoy these blockbuster franchise movies that are genuine crowd pleasers rooted in comic book stories that date back to the 1940s alongside high art by the Nouvelle Vague or filmmakers like Jean Renoir or D.W. Griffith I appreciate those movies, but I also love some of the Marvel films as well. They can all live side by side. It's like my friend Rob said, you know, his X-Force movie really sucked. (laughs) (laughs) So we do have a homework assignment next week, guys. It is a poker movie Monday on a Wednesday. Double bill. Uh, Sorry, that is a couple of weeks from now. Uh, Cool Hand Luke and House of Games both have semi- have poker scenes in them we'll yes. call it uh we have a super fan already but you gotta watch the movies if you want to follow along and get the most out of the show that in fact is all the time we've got for this week's show guys uh subscribe like and comment i don't think you guys are listening to me especially with the subscribe part because i get people every week asking me when this show is coming back all you have to do is subscribe to the show and you will get it downloaded automatically. Do it. Get in touch with us using the hashtag poker in the ears. If you want to weigh in on Postal, if you want to weigh in on Joker, if you want to weigh in on the movies we're about to watch in a few weeks, use that hashtag poker in the ears. That is it though. We are out of time. We are done. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs> <laughs>